NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. If you're listening on podcast for a not fest vip you will check out an interview with mike haranica of the devil wears prada and as always my co-host chris aiken chris how we doing i'm not wearing prada just, <laughs> just so you know i'm not well you are the devil that is right the devil wears maiden there we go <laughs> devil wears prada new album the color decay out uh 9 16 on solid state records and uh mike is a returning guest always great to catch up with mike Horanica of the devil wears prada cool cool but uh, let's dive into some news of the week man uh you know the one the gift that keeps on giving is this uh pantera reunion tour yeah and, boy, uh, every, everybody every, got an opinion <laughs> <laughs> everyone has an opinion <laughs> And uh, one of the coolest names in metal, no matter what you think of his band, Zoltan Bathory oh, yeah. of uh, Five Finger Death Punch, has kind of came out and said that Pantera is going to be, this is a cover band. And uh-huh. uh, because of, you know, not having very many original members. Okay. Well, huh. I mean, kind of is. Yeah, does it matter anymore? Dude, in today's world, does it matter? Right. How many bands are out there with one or zero members? Well, that's what I was going to, that my point is five figure death punch only has two original members. Yeah. And how many of you guys they got in their band? Five, five. So, I mean, they technically two fifths and, uh, it's one half of Pantera, which is uh, more Pantera than five finger yeah. death punch originals. I don't know why everybody's so, well, I guess I do because it's something to yap about, but <laughs> you know, at this point, who gives a shit? I, I agree with Charlie Benante. If you want to go, go, if you don't, yeah. don't stay home, fuck off. <laughs> you know it's, right. it should be that it really should be that simple to me and uh, you know i mean dude you you've seen a pantera tribute band or two haven't you uh, i've seen one yeah okay if they're really good you'll go see it again right yeah they were great like they were uh they were absolutely great right and if your choice was to not see anything or see that tribute band what would you do i would go see the tribute band <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole point so if, if Anselmo, I, I mean, look, even if you don't want to call it Pantera, and I get it, there's the purists out there that don't right. want to call it Pantera, but let's just call it the way it is. If you want to see Phil and you want to see Rex and you want to see uh, Charlie and you want to see Zach and you want to hear those songs sounding fucking great, yep. you're going. Oh, yeah. If If you don't. And guess what? You'll be on YouTube or on um, <laughs> Facebook or whatever saying, I'm glad I stayed home, man. Those guys are dicks that spent $200 a ticket. What a bunch <laughs> of posers. You know, that's what it'll be. It's a mess, man. Uh, Bathory discussed his views on the Pantera comeback in a new interview with Meltdown of De- uh, Detroit's WRIF radio station. I guess WRIF. What, yeah, a, cool, uh, what a cool name there and as i turn my phone off because i'm a very professional journalist that's right (laughs) asked what he thinks about anselmo and brown touring under the pantera name zoltan said in part 
Uh, well, here's the thing. It's going to be a Pantera cover band, really, if you think about it. Even though there are previous members involved, the fans would want to hear that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. So mm, He's not wrong, but so what? You know, the, the real question is, why is he answering this question? <laughs> why isn't he saying, look, dude, I got my own record to promote. I got my own tour to promote. Yeah. You know, I got a big country star to go out on tour with here. I can't be can't be bothered with the comings and goings of Pantera. Right. He's saying, look at it this way. This is an homage. This is paying respect to that music. This is paying respect to the band that was very influential for many, many people. If you approach it from that perspective, then, yeah, these are the right guys. Who else would play guitar, for example? And then he says, so I don't know. I don't have an opinion, really. <laughs> so here i'll do the translation you ready you're good not a pantera fan so really doesn't give a shit about the question <laughs> <laughs> well he says he says he was very influenced by pantera and he will go see this so all right but he's going to as a cover band he just mm -hmm. uh, he's he's trying really hard to walk that line but still keep his edge because he's in five finger death punch that's I mean, really what it sounds like he's doing he's trying to be edgy but not but not really say anything at the same time. You know, it's like, all right, whatever. Pick a side, dickhead. <laughs> this is for the day when he disbands Five Finger Death Punch and Ivan Moody wants to start his own Five Finger Death Punch yeah. so he can be like, hey, I was against Pantera getting back together and I'm against this too. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, if that band ever breaks up, couldn't you just name it Four Finger Death Punch? Oh, just get rid of one. Keep, <laughs> keep going. You got four, three, two, one. Yeah, right. Well, right now they're a two finger death punch. Yeah, two so. two finger death punch. <laughs> peace sign uh, death punch. <laughs> peace sign death punch. <laughs> Good lord. Um, five finger death punch is going on tour with uh, country star Brantley Gilbert. Now you uh, said you looked him up. Yeah, I did. What do we got? Uh, kind of the bro country stuff. It's kind of funny. The first song that pops up is Brantley Gilbert featuring Jelly Roll. Jelly Roll, mm. friend of the podcast. So I can't, right. I was I was expecting to come into this super hating it. And I was like, well, I can't really hate on it because it's it's the, the line between country and rock and mm. rap is just so skewed right now. Like when I had um, um, uh, Trey from the Devil's Cut on uh, a couple weeks ago at the live show. I mean, that mm -hmm. was his whole thing. He was talking about doing kind of like adding some country elements into rock and, and kind of almost yeah. not necessarily creating a new sound, but a different sound or a different take on it. And you and I talk about that all the time. I mean, you got bloody wood over there doing their take on metal and you've got, you mm -hmm. know, these guys in Kentucky and Tennessee doing their takes on metal, adding sure. in, you know, uh, country artist stuff. So didn't hate it, but it's definitely not something I'm, you know, clamoring to get to. I guess it would be better than them touring with a, uh, uh, like Jason Aldean or something. Yeah, it's turning into a thing though, because I know I just interviewed for for my other deal. Um, I interviewed this guy Rick Monroe from Rick Monroe and the Hitmen. Okay, and he's a country guy, like a real country guy, right? And he's going out on tour with Ted Nugent. Oh wow! So it's like <laughs> you know, I, I I guess there's something to this that it's it's a thing right now that it's sort of happening that more hard rock and metal bands are working with country bands, but right. All right, that's so. What do we got coming up next? Jason Aldean and Metallica is that coming soon? <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> I will. I will say from the business side, and this is where I get. I understand what they're doing because the first time I ever saw Five Finger Death Punch, um, friends of the show, friends of the podcast, know that you know 
Chris Kale and I go back to the nineties, like friend friendship sure. wise and things like that. So when I heard he joined five finger death Punch, I thought that they were like a big theater band. Like they were going right. to play the, you know, play the Agora or something, you know, something that holds mm-hmm. 1200, 2000 people. Sure. And then the first time I see them, they're playing the Ford center in Evansville, Indiana, which is like the arena there. And right. I was like, Jesus Christ. But they were playing, it was called the uh, trespass America tour. And it was, if it's been a while, so it's going to, Take a second. It was Five Figure Death Punch, Kill Switch Engage, Trivium, God Forbid. Nice. I think like Battle Cross, like, you know, just a metal. Emir was on uh-huh. that. I mean, it was a metal, metal day, right? Sure. And the arena was not well attended. It was very, you know, very, you know, people are scattered all over the place. It sure. was, it was a decent sized crowd, but it wasn't crazy. Right. So in the year since then, I saw them at the arena here in Louisville with Shine Down sold out to the to the gills right. i saw them in indianapolis with breaking benjamin radio and what i'm getting at shine down big big radio band breaking benjamin uh-huh. big radio band and i think what they're doing i think they're just they're just doing these co-headlining packages sure that uh, you know will bring in different elements five finger death punch is going to get the the radio rock the heavier guys and then shine down sure. breaking benjamin and bringing in all the other you know the soccer moms and whatever else they bring in and then now you've kind of they're they're trying something different with this arena tour. Still sure. doing arenas, but they bring in Brantley Gilbert, and he's going to bring in an entirely new audience. And in but in all reality, Five Finger Death Punch fans and Brantley Gilbert fans are probably the same person. If you really yeah, want to think probably. about it, it probably and and Five Finger, you know, the, the covers that they do anyway will appeal to yeah probably a country audience. I mean, I know the Bad Company cover will right. I mean, they did know. Blue on Black with. You know the uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd song. Yeah. So so yeah, they they probably get enough of a crossover. It's just weird. We're in a different world, man. I I can remember a day when if a band didn't exactly match, you just skip oh. the opener. You know, right. you're just like, nah, I'm not gonna go watch that. I'll wait. <laughs> different different era, man. Um, the song Ooh. Afterlife off of the upcoming album is the band's thirteenth number one. An eighth entry on the uh, chart in a row, number one mainstream rock airplay chart on Billboard. Jesus, who would have thought that that would be the band that just became <laughs> like the dominant band? Yeah, I never would have thought that. But yeah, I mean, just like I said, when Chris Kale joined the band, I was just like, all right, that's cool. Like yeah. I thought, because he he had kind of cryptically posted that he was joining a band. And it's funny. I thought he was joining Camara. Like I just, okay. assumed it because I was around, you know, that was around the time that they were going through members all the time. Right. Sure. And I was like, and you know, Chris is friendly with, with Mark and kind of the same sure. area of the country and all that stuff. And I was like, man, Chris is about to join Camara. That's going to be awesome. He's like five finger <laughs> death punch. And nice. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. But the first time I ever saw him live is an arena tour, but you know, they, Hey, they, they they do what they do, man, and they uh, mm-hmm. you know they they're they are, you know they're obviously taking on a country guy, and they showed you years ago that maybe the full on metal tour didn't work as well, but they are, I mean they are taking out Megadeth for multiple runs, and that I mean I know that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but you know Five Finger Death Punch is in arenas and Megadeth is not. Yeah, dude, I love it when the bands that get shit on all the time succeed. Anyway, that nothing makes me happier than seeing that Five Finger. Even Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that Nickelback, they, they get shit on constantly, which to me, for no reason. But but they get shit on absolutely constantly. And they, you know, both middle fingers in the air. They're like, fuck you. We're going to keep on selling out arenas. 
We're going to keep making up millions of dollars and you're going to keep complaining. I love it. Yeah. That's like when everybody says like, where are these, you know, the, the Nickelback comes to town and the place is sold Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. You know, but I I don't know many Nickelback fans. That's the thing. You don't know where they are. Nobody wants to admit it. That's really what it comes to with Nickelback. <laughs> there's certain bands that nobody wants to admit that they're fans of. Kid Rock, another one. Right. No one wants to admit that they're a Kid Rock fan, but every fucking show he plays sells out 18, 19, 20,000 people. <laughs> they're out there. You know, right. same five finger death. I mean, really, even five finger. How many people that do not have a vagina do you know that will say, yeah, five finger, they rule? <laughs> people walking around. I, you know, my cousin's a big five finger death punch fan. That instantly made me cool in the uh, the, in the Toomey uh, uh, family tree when I had a friend in Five Finger Death Punch. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Uh, Let's dive into this uh, Dino Cazares uh, on keeping the new Fear Factory singer identity a secret. He says, I want it. I just want this to be amazing. Yeah, well, it's not going to be. I'm a, right. I, you know how it will be amazing if the big reveal is Burton C. Bell, <laughs> right? That's the it's, only way it will be amazing. <laughs> how awesome would that be? That would in, be great. In a, in a turn of events, <laughs> Burton has come back to the band. We never really broke up. We just put that story out there for 10 years. <laughs> they never really broke up. They just, they just stirred the pot for a while and it yeah. actually will be Burton C. Bell. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, let's see here in a, in new interview with this day in metal. Um, a lot of people online are asking me about fear factory. When the fuck are you going to release a song? When are you going to announce a singer? Blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff. And I'm like, look, I'm just taking my time and I want this to be right. right. I'm taking my time and I, and it's going to be fucking amazing. People want me to rush things right away. And I just don't want to rush things. Just fucking tell us who the singer is. You fuck. Everybody's just yelling at me, <laughs> telling me things like that. And I'm like, just be patient. Just be patient. All right. Who in the world could it be where you'd be like, okay, that's amazing. <sighs> Howard Jones. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but I doubt it. You um, know, and that would only be you saying it's amazing. No, that's, let, me re- yeah, that- let me rephrase that. Everybody would say it's amazing. Corey Taylor. That would be, I mean, you got to go to that level. James right. Hetfield. Right. Jonathan Davis. You know, that's, that's about where you got to go to. It's not going to be super amazing when it's, you know, uh, Tommy vexed. No, it's not going to be, that's I love Tommy, but that's not going to be right. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, isn't it kind of strange that we found out who the singer of divine heresy is before we find out who the singer yeah. of uh, fear factory is. Yeah, uh, that is crazy. Yeah, he also talked about the once humans, uh, Lauren Hart, who originally mm-hmm. auditioned for Fear Factory, uh, but he has recruited her to his Divine Heresy project. Do you think that that Dino is out with with Max, and Max is just like, well, this is what I'm making Soulfly, this is what I'm making Cavalera, this is what I'm making Max and friends, and and Dino's like, Dino is just going to turn into, I've got you know the the Dino Cazares band, Divine Heresy, Fear Factory, and just con- you know con- consistently yeah. on tour. Here's the only difference. Dino has not proven to stay out on tour like that. True. The reason Max can do that is because he does keep them all working. All members of all bands are always working because he's never not on tour. Dino, I mean, when is the last time you remember Dino doing six straight months of touring? Um, I wouldn't say 
ever. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's, yeah. I, I can't see him doing a Fear Factory run and then bogging right down into a Divine Heresy run and then, I don't know, joining Static X and doing a run with them or something. I mean, <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I just can't see it. Uh, this past February, former Night Rage singer Anthony so-and-so who who unsuccessfully auditioned for the vocalist spot in fear factory claimed in an interview that the new fear factory frontman is quote a person from italy oh good so who would that be fabio leone (laughs) is that the the guy from uh um frontiers records (laughs) rhapsody on fire it's just gonna be every Every dude from uh, from Frontiers Records is yeah. coming out to do be on the be on the, be on the band. Yeah, that'll be it. <laughs> Alessandro Dovecchio, he's now the singer. There we go. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm excited to see who it is. I I you know giant Fear Factory fan. Love yeah. every time Dino's on the show. So I, I I'm, I'm I'm interested. I'm not going to say I'm I'm excited. I'm interested. And if he, if he proves me wrong, I'll come right back here and say, yep, you got yeah, me. I, but I think too, that it's just this buildup to like it, at, at, you know, at some point you just need to throw out a song or just yeah. even, even if you're not going to tour with fear factory until next year, just keep releasing singles and keep us, mm-hmm. keep us excited about this new singer. Cause if it comes out next year, that it's just some dude. <laughs> like, yeah. And then you hear him and it's just, okay. This is like well, a, uh, you know, not a not a good sign. I think he's already waited too long. Yeah, that album's too. been out. That album's been out. People are already done with it. They're already past it. Yeah. You know, and and we still don't know who the singer is. And it's not going to come back with the new singer, right? Because people aren't going to want to. People's first taste of the new band is not going to be the the new record. They want to hear how's this guy sound doing replica? How's this guy sound doing linchpin? How's this guy sound doing? I don't even cars or obsolete or something <laughs> like that. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I think he's blowing it, but you know, the only thing so far, and I mean, it could go either way, but I'm glad that he didn't put um, Lauren Hart as the singer. Right. That's, you got to go with a dude and I hate to be sexist guy, but you got to go with a dude. It's, it, it's just, or it better be an amazing. Now, now you want to blow my mind, make it be Alyssa from, <laughs> right. From um, Arch Enemy. That would rule. But I don't think she's got the vocal chops to do it. I think the the hard part on this too is aggression continuum is so good. Like it is, yeah. it is an incredible record. So if if this album would have tanked, and then you're like, all right, we're gonna do a new guy now. Yeah, you know, that's one thing. But the the latest Fear Factory album featuring Burton Seabell on vocals that they didn't get to tour all, at all is mm-hmm. is a banger from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know what he's gonna do. I hope that he, I hope that he's right and he's not just blowing smoke like musicians tend to do. Right. But I don't know at this point I'm at this point I'm starting to think that he's blowing smoke because what is the purpose of holding on to it? And this well I want it to be special. Well, how is September 1st any more special than right now? How is uh October 1st or whatever? How is any of it more special? So reunited Pantera with this version of Fear Factory going out. Are you excited for that? I'll go to see Pantera. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, this is another one. What what is Zoltan calling this Fear Factory? That's clearly oh. a tribute band, right? 
Yeah, this is definitely tribute band territory. What I mean, this the the whole Fear Factory saga is just is just a mess with like Burton owning the name and then Burton filing you know bankruptcy and then Dino going to court securing the name rights and just right. It's just a damn mess, man. Yeah, it's ugly. It's definitely it is the ugly side of being a a mid a moderately successful band. Yeah, they just didn't have enough success to eliminate any of these problems so every they're big enough that everybody knows what they're doing yeah not big enough to do anything about it absolutely yeah i mean back in the i just i remember being a giant fear factory fan at the same time i was listening to deftones and corn and all the the new metal stuff and but like the guys that i knew that were super into the new metal stuff didn't really latch on to fear factory they were almost too heavy for them like Mm -hmm. but i i loved all the heavy stuff growing up and then i got into new metal so they kind of they kind of fit all those boxes for me, but yeah, I, I just, I wish they would have been bigger, but man, I, some people just getting, get into to Burton's voice. I think yeah, you had to really be into, at least for me, I was such a roadrunner guy at that point. Yeah. I really didn't give a shit who it was. If it said roadrunner on it, I was going to give it a good listen. And I just remember it came out, you know, mm-hmm. it came out in between Sepultura records and, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, uh, what you call it? typo negative was right about that time. Uh, first, first machine head was about that time. I mean, they were all right in that, right in that wheelhouse. I was like, God damn roadrunner is killing it. <laughs> uh, speaking of Pantera, once again, um, yeah. another friend of the show, friend of a uh, friend of the uh, program, uh, Phil Anselmo on Lemmy. He's forever. And I love him. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Me too. Uh, <laughs> how's that yeah banger tv a while back posted a clip of uh i guess they did ace of spades <laughs> with a bunch of uh you know guests on it uh right. gary holt chuck garrick um people from you know queens of the stone age and intronauts and howling giant and integrity i mean it was, it was a fun cover very right. very fun you know multiple guitars multiple bass players uh and Somo singing sounded pretty good um but yeah, I mean, basically his quote here is uh, the first thing that attracted me to Motorhead was Lemmy Kilmeister and the sound of his voice. And then it was solidified in 1985. I went to a show outside of New Orleans and it was Agnostic Fronts and Motorhead. It was a great wow. wall of crushing sound. They were just incredible. They sounded great. Lemmy was so long lasting and impressionable man on me. He's forever. And I love him. Yeah, I agree with him, dude. I mean, you never saw Motorhead, did you? Mm-mm. Dude, never got to see him. When you saw Motorhead, I don't care what you did, how far away you stood from the stage, if you wore earplugs, whatever, <laughs> it was crushingly loud. Yeah. Like like nothing I've ever I, I mean, first of all, they would put they would put a stadium's worth of amps into a club. Yeah. So I mean, it was just literally it, it would hurt it would it would hurt and i mean they just came out and it was just an hour and a half of punch to the face metal it was it was just brutal but it was great and i'm a huge fan of lemmy and i i i hate that he died but i i love that the legacy has carried on and that people are absolutely refusing to let the legacy die yeah. You know, because they kind of have with a lot of these other guys that have passed away, even Dio, you know, other than his wife, you know, pouring <laughs> out phone messages or whatever for 
calling them albums. You know, I mean, nobody's really talking about Dio anymore. Right. He was, you know, pretty, pretty legendary guy. And like Peter Steele. Last time you heard anybody talking about Peter Steele. Yeah, it's very few and far between. It's funny because like on on the anniversary of Peter Steele's death every year, like you'll get some recycled Kerrang mm-hmm. articles and things like that. And, and people will kind of come out and make some quotes and I'll post my picture of me and Peter yeah. Steele on, on Facebook. But yeah, I mean, you you don't get a ton of I don't mm. really feel like you get a ton of bands coming out today saying, man, I grew up loving typo negative. Like they're yeah. they're not really, you know, ingrained in people like that. Yeah. And meanwhile, Lemmy, it's been what, six, seven years since Lemmy passed away and they're building statues for the guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I mean, there's, they're still promoting Lemmy. Yeah. You definitely see that there's yeah, giant statues at, um, what was that? Like Hellfest or whatever. Yeah. And, one of them fests. Right. Yeah. Those and giant the big statue at the rainbow too. Yeah. Where people I mean, taking photos all the time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's bigger than life and yeah. You know, I, I know, you know, his importance to me. I've, I've written six books and they all, the forward in all six of the books, the the it, I always thank my dad, my grandfather, and Lemmy. You <laughs> right. know, those are those are my my traditional thank yous because I kind of live that don't give a fuck attitude the same as Lemmy did, and he's kind of the guy that showed me how to do that. So cool stuff. His phone number's still in my phone. That's the coolest part ever. <laughs> I wonder who has it now. You should call it and be like, hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> Let's see, what are you? <laughs> The phone message probably says, yeah, this is not Lemmy. <laughs> <laughs> not Lemmy. He's dead. Yeah. Like that, like the eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine phone numbers. You ever call those? No. And when you call them, almost every one of them has a voicemail mail and it all starts off with, this is not Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Please lose this number. Yeah. Stop it. It's not <laughs> funny anymore. Oh man. Well, speaking of deaths, let's talk about, uh, Steve Grimmett. Yeah. Grim Reaper dead at 62, man. Yeah, that sucks. He's, you know, it's one of them things. I, I think everybody puts their weight of their, their metal their metal mm-hmm. card holderness, right? On how many kind of obscure bands they know, you know, and, and I think Grim Reaper is one of those bands. They're never huge. Yeah. They were definitely underground, but, but everybody knows See You in Hell. You know, everybody just sort of knows that song, right? For whatever reason, because I I don't know where we all know it from. I don't even remember it on like MTV or anything, but we all know that song. See you in hell, my friend. You know, we all know it, and and yet, I mean, you saw, you know, when he died the other day, there every every band singer that I could think of had a picture of them with Steve Grimmett on it, right. Yeah, in their in their timeline, like I, I I only met him once, and I interviewed him one other time. Could not have been a nicer dude, but I'm not even pretending that I knew the guy. Right. I mean, I literally met him once, and hey, man, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Oh, thanks for coming to the show. You know, and move along. You know, that was <laughs> right. That was kind of the meeting, and then uh, when I interviewed him, I, he had a band at one point called Grimstone. Okay. And I interviewed him for the Grimstone project and um, couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he was really a nice dude. And, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, I think, I think maybe the guy was big, was a bigger personality than the music that he created. I can see that, you know, but, but yeah, for those, for those that were Grim Reaper fans, you know, sorry for your loss. 
he's he's obviously a big big enough name. <laughs> well, it's funny. I do remember this video from MTV as a kid, and oh, I really? don't know why, but I remember seeing it like this as one of the first videos I can remember. Right? Because is I mean, it on I, Beavis and Butthead. No, I mean like like when I was this was probably in the late eighties. Like I can right. remember, you know, remember seeing it and you know, it didn't scare me, but it's definitely one of those like, Ooh, you in hell, you know, like, you know, hey, I'm, language I'm eight, you know, seven, eight years old. Like right. kind of like get a little tingling. I'm like, I like this. Right. This is metal. Yeah. <laughs> Looking around, making sure your mom's not in the room. Ooh, he said the H word. Ooh. <laughs> and as a person who loves that, you know, uh, puns and, you know, talk to me as your name and stuff. Yeah. What a perfect name. To, to start a band. I mean, if your name is Steve Grimmett, yeah, <laughs> you get Grim to be Reaper. Grim Reaper. Right. But I think there are a lot of those bands, and, and I'm not taking anything away from the music and whatnot, but I think there are mm-hmm. a lot of these bands that that got these good names early on. Sure. That that kind of live off of that, like like a Grim mm-hmm. Reaper. I mean, you know, sure. if you got if you got to Grim Reaper first and got to use that band name, yeah, you know, you kind of you kind of get to keep going. Like that band, you know, like the band Satan. You know? mm-hmm. like, like that band's still going. And sure. the other thing I like about Steve, and I've seen him over the years, and you always a lot of these dudes that that they're you know up there in age at 62 and whatnot, that you know, Steve was missing a leg. Yeah, know, he was he was still out there touring, but and you've got you know dudes like uh you know in wheelchairs and just mm-hmm. even the guy from um was that forbidden is that is that the one with the or is it possessed uh, uh, possessed possessed jeff, jeff becerra yeah yeah i mean obviously his was more from a from a robbery but yeah. you know just just the fact that they're still out there doing it you know right. i don't know if it's if it's a financial thing if they have to keep doing it or if it's a love thing which i hopefully it's you know they're doing it because they want to get out there and keep going because i don't know man if i if i lost a leg or was wheelchair bound and 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 all that stuff i mean what would i still get on stage you know right yeah no it's it's uh you know i mean you got to give it to them balls balls for miles you know yeah. to <laughs> get out there miles. with to get out there with one leg and you know and do it with one leg that's pretty that's 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 pretty bossy there. <laughs> yeah yeah, definitely not metal out there on a you know missing your leg and and, and all maybe that it's stuff. more metal. Maybe that's more metal because he's got a metal leg. Maybe I'll cut my leg off. Well, maybe, maybe that's, that's what you're missing. Making. Yeah, that's what you've been missing the whole time. Too funny, man. Um, start eating cookies. It'll go away. Yeah, that's the thing, man. There's some of these like just um, yeah, just the, the just all of our heroes and their bad health. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, I'm waiting for the day that we see Jonathan Davis rolling out there in a in a wheelchair, Chino yeah. fucking, you know, rolling out in a in a wheelchair having to do these songs. Yeah. And yet pieces of shit like Vince Neil continue to fucking thrive. Hey, Vince is one cookie away from loose leg. <laughs> He's probably already missed a couple of toes. Yeah, probably. Probably just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wide toed boots. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of our heroes aging, yes, uh, Tony Iommi and Ozzy recently mm-hmm. performed at the Commonwealth Games, yeah, in, in Birmingham. Uh, they did um, a truncated Paranoid. version of Iron Man and uh, the classic song Paranoid. Yeah, how about um, that? <laughs> Ozzy fresh from life saving surgery or whatever, and he's back out there. Boy, Sharon, Sharon just wheels him up to the stage. Is like, get your ass out there, make me some money, bitch. Yeah, so Jesus. I'm watching the, uh, I'm watching the, the, the performance, and they've got Ozzy like on his own riser, mm-hmm. and 
I'm just I, I, the whole time I'm just uh, fearing Ozzy's just gonna break a hip. Dude, I, I swear to you, he was hooked to that thing. <laughs> it looked so? like he had like um I don't know, like some kind of a thing around his back. Yeah. It would shock me none if he had like a bungee cord or something that was holding him there. So he couldn't fall down under the coat. Yeah. Something or a big stick or something like a scarecrow or something <laughs> like up through the pants just to hold right. him up. You know, because, oh. yeah, I mean, he didn't move at all. Right. You got to admit, he just was as, you know, Mr. Jumping around like a frog was very still. Oh, yeah. And that was, he definitely didn't do any of that, any of the no. normal Aussies. He tried to, he tried to do, yeah. he, you know, Ozzy's going to do his, everybody clap your hands yeah. and all that stuff. He's going to, he's going to do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he didn't fall. He sounded okay. If it was, if, if it wasn't tracks, he sounded fine. And if it was tracks, it sounded fine. But, you know, and then Tony Iommi sounds like Tony Iommi. He's never, yeah, Tony's, Tony's awesome. <laughs> he, yeah. looked, he looked great. He sounded great. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part that I didn't even think about it, but they were asking about geezer Butler's absence. Yeah. Um, Tony said, and listen to all of these different things that, that may or may not have contributed to geezer not being there. I don't think he wanted to come over as he hadn't been well with COVID one. He had okay. been on holiday to Kenya two, and to Italy three and had an accident on a boat cracking or breaking a rib about three weeks ago. Jesus. Four. So he was not, uh, so he was not quite in fine fettle to come over to play. It's a shame because we had talked for a long time about the possibility of playing at the Commonwealth games. Like how many different excuses were in there? Why don't they just say he's retired? I think that's what he said. Isn't that what, I mean, not necessarily about this, this particular performance, but he pretty much said, I don't know, month, month and a half ago, he said he's retired. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He's done. What was that band he tried there for a minute? Um, Dead Wasteland, something what this present wasteland or something, something wasteland. Like, yeah, that Dead sounds wasteland, about, some yeah, wasteland. I saw them a couple of years ago at Louder Than Life. They like kind of they played during the day. And I'm just like that's, that's Geezer Butler and like Matt Sorum and like you know like the it was like a, a a who's who on stage and they played like the third stage, which is like far away from the main stages. I'm just like, wow, that's just yeah. geezer just up there just jamming. But yeah, he uh good band, but you know, maybe he just like I guess he's just not into it. Yeah, he's not in I can't remember the name of that fucking band, but I uh and the weird thing is um I interviewed Paul Fig who who did the production on that thing. Right. And he said that it's a, that all they recorded was an EP, but it's really good. And it's never gonna come out. It's one of those things that we're never gonna hear because they just didn't want to put it together and put it out. So yeah, I, I can't find the name of it. Um, Deadland Ritual. Deadland Ritual. Okay. I don't yeah. know where I'm coming up with Wasteland, but <laughs> close right, enough. Whatever. Deadland, Wasteland. Yeah. Steve Stevens was in it. Yeah. Sound like a good band. Yeah. And they were good live. But yeah, like I said, I mean, they played at like three o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. from the bazaar. But uh, oh, yeah, it's crazy. But and the other thing, a lot of people are saying that they think Ozzy was singing to tracks, and I don't think he was singing to tracks. I mean, I, I think yeah. his voice was was just enough real to sound. You know, no. The only thing people did say that there were a few times where he kind of did the "everybody raise your hands" or whatnot, and it wasn't coming through the mic. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, you know, that was the the big part. Uh, you know, where it kind of said people think that maybe he was singing to tracks, but I, I thought he I thought he sang well. So 
You know what? Ozzy's 140 years old, fresh off of back surgery. Cut him a little <laughs> slack. Jesus. Right. I mean, if and if he was singing the tracks, I mean, normally at these, you know, Super Bowl, Commonwealth Games, big things like that anyway, people are singing the tracks anyway. Yeah. But. Yeah. So who cares? You know, now if he was a 22 year old and he was singing the tracks, I might have more of an issue, but he's ancient Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, when did he have surgery? It was not even that long ago. Like two months. Uh, it doesn't wasn't it in the... July? Uh, I thought it was in July. I don't think it says in here. Yeah, I know it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't right. like February. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's fairly recent. And look, I've had surgery before. You ain't getting me out a month and a half later to be out in front of a hundred million people singing. Nope. Yeah, I. I was surprised to see it happen, but I mean, uh, as, as the whole spectacle of the, the fireworks going off and, and seeing Tony and Ozzy on stage together, I was, I was a hundred percent on board. Yeah. It looked cool. It, it definitely looked cool. And Hey, good on them. Good on them <laughs> right. getting out there and doing it. Uh, quickly, we will uh, give out uh, our, our T's and P's to uh, mm-hmm. James Hetfield of Metallica, who is uh, getting a divorce after 25 years of marriage to uh, was that Francesca Hetfield? Yeah, Francesca Hetfield. Well, I don't know. We got to give that many thoughts and prayers to the man because it happened after the success, the marriage. Yeah. So the way Q Prime is, and I've dealt with Q Prime, and I'm pretty sure you have as well. I have, yeah. I don't think that the management would have let him get sucked into something without an ironclad prenup. Right. He ain't going to lose half of his money. He's going to lose... $15 $15 million or something, but he's not going to lose $150 million or whatever. Just no way on that. I'm, I have to think that the management in 1990, what would that have been six or seven or whatever? I believe 97. Yeah. Took care of him. I right. have to believe that. So, so I don't think he's going to get screwed too bad, but you know, divorce always blows. Maybe that's why he was crying on stage. He was getting, My he was already broke up with her and just like a mess. So, could be. Do you think now? Do you think they this make because because the 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 fifty gigs a year thing is kind of from Hetfield and his sobriety. So uh-huh. do you think that this does, does Metallica tour more? Does Metallica tour less? Do you think that you know hopefully he stays you know clean or whatnot if he needs that? Well, but, uh, I'm not I'm not hoping for that personally, but <laughs> I'm hoping he starts drinking and writes writes better music and plays better shows, but. He was a much better performer as a drunk. Sorry that that's not politically correct, but it is the truth. And anybody that's an old school Metallica fan will agree with me there. Drunk James was awesome. Hey, friends, James, not as awesome. Just not. I will push back on the you thinking that the hey, friends, James is new because, I mean, even if you go back to Cliff Lamal when he's like, Everybody say hi, Cliff. How you doing? He's like, yeah. that's almost the same voice you're using, and that's okay. You know, a puppet store. But <laughs> when you went to those shows, yeah, you didn't dare sit down. If you were the one guy in section five twenty five sitting down, and Hetfield saw you, he would stop the show to point you out. He'd be like, "Hey, you bitch, get off!" <laughs> you know, I mean, he was. You had to part. It was a. It was a. It wasn't a performance like it is now. Now it's yeah. a performance. Back then it was the crowd and Metallica, and it was all one monstrous explosion of energy. 
And it, and I, dude, I've seen Metallica 40 some odd times at this point. I mean, I've seen them more than any other band I've ever seen. And this version, I saw them on the, on this tour on the, you know, the hardwired tour. Yeah. And what they're doing right now is not what they were doing in the nineties and two thousands even. And, and I know they can't, you know, I mean, it's, it's a big difference between being 30 years old and 50 years old. I get it. But you know, the, Hey, we got a nine-year-old here in the crowd. Look at that. Come up on stage, kid. <laughs> Come on, you know, everybody. There's a difference between Metallica and Talica. Once they started with the Talica bullshit is also when they started with the, Hey friends, we got the Metallica family here tonight. Let's get together and kumbaya together, you know? And I don't know. I, I mean, they're still good. I mean, they're, it's not terrible. It's right. I mean, we've seen some terrible bands and Metallica's not one of them, but they're just not as good as when they were the best band ever. So, uh, one more story before we uh, dive into some uh, TV and movies and all that other fun okay. stuff. Yeah. Uh, this just came through. David Ellison on getting fired from Megadeth over the sex video scandal. I'm sad mm -hmm. that things went down the way they did. Bory, once again, <laughs> you know, yeah. sexual innuendo title. Right. Uh, in a new interview with the Mike Nelson show. Oh, the Mike Nelson show. I get all those episodes. <laughs> David Ellison was asked if it was fair to say Dave Mustaine ran the show in Megadeth since the bassist rejoined the band in 2010 and that he and the other members of Megadeth retreated and paid merely as session members prior to his dismissal from the group more than a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, he responded pretty much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said, yes. <laughs> he said, uh, the tour ended. There was no retainer. There was no salary. We went off and did our own thing, which is why, to be honest with you, it's why I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, I've always known music is... Uh, I've always known music to be entrepreneurial. I started a coffee company, did a label, had other things, wrote with other people, did other records, wrote books, and that's what it is. Uh, and I know that's not well liked by some people because they kind of want it quote unquote all in. And it's like, well, royalties buy loyalties. <laughs> wow. There you go. Uh, if you want every if you want everyone here all the time, you've got to have them on a retainer and a salary, and you've got to treat them like a staff member, so that they're a hundred percent in your team. And that wasn't that. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it was pretty clear to me uh, when the train stops, we all get off, and that when we kind of go on our separate ways until it's time to come back together and be Megadeth again, whether that was recording or touring or otherwise. So there you go. Yeah. So he's right. And Mustaine is still a bitch for not taking care of his guy. It's that yeah. simple. Mustaine should have taken care of his guy. Didn't have to necessarily work with him going forward, but had to, should have had his back. Yeah. Instead of the, well, we're going to assess things with management. And then a week <laughs> later, yeah, he's out. You know, it's like, dude, sack up, step up for your guy. He's been your guy for 40 fucking years. I don't think a single Megadeth fan would have, you know, given a crap if they would have no. kept kept Dave Ellison the band. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it, it would have just, um, it it would have just continued on. The train would have kept rolling. Nobody's nobody's worrying about that. These guys were fucking heroin addicts for God's sakes, and you're worried about the guy fucking jerking off on his phone. 
Stop it. <laughs> I agree, man. Uh, another new Megadeth track out. And uh, once again, once again, yeah. pretty good. Kind of don't, I don't know how I feel about the little, uh, you know, uh, army chant at the end. I don't know if you caught that or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little, it's a little, little silly, but other than that, man, what another great song. Yeah. I'm begrudgingly looking forward to this record. <laughs> I don't want to support Damn it you. because I'm definitely camp must camp, uh, Ellison, but right. But man, the three songs have been pretty fucking good. Yes, they have. Did you say you had a, a Metallica story? Yeah, just real quick. You're, yeah. you're going to love this. So, okay. For the first time, for the first time that Metallica's played anywhere near me, I did not go see Metallica. They were in Pittsburgh on Sunday. Right. And um, so they played their show at Pittsburgh. I heard it was really good. And um, and um, they finished their show. Now my 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 partner Ed that I that I do pinball PA with, he um he hangs out at a hotel bar on Sunday <laughs> nights. I guess he, I don't know. He's dating one of the waitresses or meets her or whatever. I don't know why he's there, <clears throat> but in normal circumstances, I would have been at the hotel, right. you know, I would have seen the show and then I'd have gone to meet Ed for a couple of drinks and I would have stayed over and drove home Monday. Don't you know, he's in the hotel bar, like, or it, and who comes in the bar? After the show, but Metallica. <laughs> so Metallica comes into the bar. Um, my friend Ed, he has his dog with him. Don't ask me. I don't know. You know, I'm not a dog guy, but he has his dog with him. Hetfield gives him a handful of picks to pet the dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's Metallica currency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's awesome. Here it is, me. I've seen the band 40 however many times. Yeah. And here's my friend that doesn't even like Metallic and he runs into him in this totally chance meeting. So <laughs> you never know, I guess. You should have went to the show, man. I guess I should have. I would have ended up schmoozing with Metallica for a minute. You could have got him on the podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. I'm sure he'd be like, oh, yeah, let's set up and do it right now. Hey, wouldn't be any worse than Joe Rogan and him talking about bees. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> uh let's get into some uh reviews recommendations uh what's going on in the uh chris aiken world these days all right the positives okay the arch enemy album watchers okay that album smokes excellent 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 release i super super recommend it to everybody uh i would recommend the movie predators which i had not seen it's not the new one Right, I was about to say it's it's from like 2010 or something, but it has like Lawrence Fishburne in it and Adrian Brody and um, somebody else famous. Okay, really pretty good. And I I was surprised. I I don't remember this movie at all, but it was kick ass. The negative, the new one, and I know <laughs> I'm in the minority on this because it's getting praised everywhere, but I hated this movie Prey from. The, the Predator series. It's funny you say that, man, because every single post I see about that is glowing. Positive. Like, yeah. I didn't even know that that many people liked the Predator franchise and people yeah. are just freaking out about Prey. I have not watched it. People are loving it. I don't get it. It's, you know, it's set back in the um, Cowboys and Indians days, I guess. Right. And to me, it just seemed dumb. It was just, you know, 
you got the the Indian princess child, and she's a child. She's probably 15 years old or supposed to be. Okay. Somehow she's able to whack out a whole tribe of Indians, a whole bunch of um, a whole bunch of like fur traders or something that are there, and the alien. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and and she's never been in a battle in her life. And meanwhile, all the other Indians and and all these other fur trader guys that are out there killing bears and shit, they're all getting killed by the alien. So. <laughs> Oh, it just seemed so dumb to me. I was just, I watched it and I was like, why is everybody loving this movie? It sucks. I hated it. So I I might be in the minority in it. I'm sure people will tell me that I'm an idiot for not getting it, but that would be the negative would be pray for me. Did not dig it. Okay. So that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> not a ton going on this week. Um, uh, Clutch put out a new single slaughter beach. Right. Uh, I mean, they, they could pretty much do no wrong to me. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> great band. And, and I mean, if you like clutch, you're going to like the song. I mean, there's a, right. there's no getting around it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what band I actually, I actually, you know, my, my love of the goodwill. Uh, we were in the goodwill the other day and I picked up a couple of CDs, which I don't normally do, but you know, got a CD player in the Jeep. So every once in a while I'll throw a CD in. I bought sure. the, the, uh, <laughs> the creative Clearwater, uh, you know, chronicle i think it is like the okay. greatest hits back in the day yeah that band holds up man what a great band like yeah, they were they're fantastic dude yeah. fortunate son is one of my like all-timers yeah. i love i love that tune and i love every every cover of it is good too yeah clutch speaking of clutch clutch did a great cover of fortunate son man yeah um but yes <laughs> i i i almost took a photo of it because i bought two cds i bought credence clearwater revival and i bought punk goes pop like the first right like the hardcore you know hardcore bands doing pop songs i was like this is this is what goes on in my brain nice <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh the other positive of the week and uh, i don't really care for him but uh he did a great podcast this week and his uh, dean del rey uh, interviewed gene simmons and okay i i was you know pretty well blown away i mean he asked Kind of some of the questions I, you know, you I probably wouldn't have asked, you know, like how do you make the blood mixture and you know what, you know how hard is it to put the makeup on? But he got good answers out of them. Okay, so it's hard for me to really, uh, you know, Gene Simmons went over to Dean Del Rey's house and talked to him for an hour and a half, you know, nice about like the you know the seventies and put the band together and you know, so I was I was thoroughly impressed and and Gene cussed a little bit i don't i don't know gene as much of a cusser no not really but, uh, but he kind of you know kind of opened up a little bit so seemed like a pretty authentic interview i think Jeez, and every single podcaster that we know was jizzing themselves over it too right <laughs> right <laughs> and jizzing and also just hating the whole time like yeah how come he gets them how come he gets gene why can't we get gene <laughs> my my podcast is named after a kiss song why why is he yeah. not on my show we've done 670 episodes about kiss <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so check out uh was it let there be talk i mean, actually i wondered if uh if gene would give him crap about the you know the name of the show like that's not a kiss song that's an yeah. acdc song <laughs> your show should be called talk gun <laughs> which is funny because there is a kiss song called talk to me but uh so is there not, yeah it's on uh unmasked i think i would talk never to know me but uh, it's a, i think it's an ace song all right i would never know <laughs> 
Well, cool. Well, if uh, if you're listening on podcast, stick around for my interview with Mike Haranica. Welcome back, Mike Haranica of the Devil Wears Products. See the Talk To Me podcast here, notfest.com. Mike, how are we doing today? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I've uh, been diving into the uh, to Color Decay out uh, out September 16th on Solid State Records. Man, what a great record, man. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, the last time we talked, I think you were you, we were talking about Z2, so... You know, going from doing Z two, uh, you didn't want it to be the COVID EP. You you made that very clear. But uh, you know, you guys just go right into recording an entire album. Was was were both things going on at the same time? You know, how did how did all this come together? I think uh, momentum generally. Um, just uh, I don't know with coming out of COVID and seeing the climate, the musical climate as far as like how bands and artists are releasing singles so frequently and whatnot. Um, I think we're just kind of keeping up with the game. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, we've been very active. John is extremely active when it comes to songwriting. So he's had options and, and songs pop up and he works on different melodies and lyrics and whatnot and work with Jeremy on those. Then ultimately it will come my way. So yeah, I mean, by the time Z2 came out, you know, we, after finishing that, after mastering and mixing and everything, it was like, all right, we're still, locked up here so we just got into uh some remote locations to, to start songwriting and coming up with some singles and ultimately piecing together an lp so going through all this i mean you know with with the z2 i mean there's certain um you know topics going on there i mean when it comes to like into writing a new album you talk about you know uh, melodies and things come to you did, did, does he send you melodies and you write to those melodies or are you are you you know submitting lyrics? How how does the I guess the lyrical content uh, come with you guys? Yeah, that we've done that before, not as frequently. Where I'll give him a lyric and he'll write melody to the lyric, but most often he'll either have his own chorus and I'll write the verses and the the bridge and whatnot around the theme that he's developed or the chorus that he's developed, or he just like makes word sounds singing melodies. <laughs> And sometimes it's actually a really easy jumping off point for writing um, lyrics is if I hear a sound he makes and it kind of inspires like an idea to, to then develop the course into and whatnot. So um, yeah, we, we kind of work in all different ways, but I I'd say the, the most alt facto is kind of him either having a chorus and I'm filling in the rest of the pieces or he's murmuring a melody that I write lyrics to. 
I think that was the old way that um, they say Def Leppard wrote like that, where they would all just make noises. And then if the, whatever noises they liked, they would be like, well, that sounds like this word. So we're going to make those into words. I think, I think you guys are onto something there. It's, it's surprisingly fluid. I mean, I, for the longest time in this band, I have written lyrics and then adapt them to the song. Um, and now whenever I kind of have that, or if I have a lyric, I really want to fit in. I kind of feel lost versus more writing to the instrumentation or writing to um, a more vague kind of theme to each song. Are you, are you just doing like, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm thinking back more in the getting in the jam room and, and, they're playing you the song and you're kind of scatting back to it and then hearing back to what you're scatting. But I'm assuming now it's more just, you know, he's sending you files of, of the track and you hear it and you're like, then you kind of do like a rough scat vocal to it and then maybe write to that. Or is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Something like that. Um, there will be that at times. It is interesting though. Like I remember back in the day, like the band would all be in a room together, write a song together. We'd have like a recording of it with like either, I mean, this was pre-iPhone, so <laughs> I don't even remember what we were recording with. And you would hear, like, space heaters and whatnot. I remember as the band would write, I'd have, like, little, like, tidbits that I'd remember and write down and then later develop, like, a pattern to it and whatnot. So it's certainly cleaned up tenfold uh, these days with technology and um, the uh, the ease of being able to share music as we as we are able to these days. I was trying to think if you're like writing to it and you hear the space heater and you're like, I was writing my melody to the hum of the space heater. We need that back in the song. <laughs> <laughs> what, what notes does a, a space heater give off, man? Um, <laughs> you guys are going out on tour with straight from the path and, and dying wish. And it says, you know, you're playing Z one Z two together. And then, and then a greatest hit selection is what the, uh, the press release says. Um, so, I mean, I mean, truly, I mean, you, I guess you truly never got to, to tour Z two, so I mean, you kind of got to throw that out there, and then also throw a new record on top of it, man. It just kind of seems like it's all it's all snowballing into 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 this tour, and then uh, getting it all together. For sure, I mean, it'll be it, it's going to be a challenge. It is a long set that we have prepared, um, really spanning the entire discography and touching into the the newer songs we've released from Color Decay. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be cool. I mean thinking to Z2 and thinking, you know, last time we spoke and whatnot, it's all, it's been a celebration of Z1 doing Z2. <laughs> um, we had done certain, we had toured with Motionless and White and we played through, I think our zombie EP and our space EP, unless I'm confusing that with something else. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it was then though, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh, also this day and age, people like to know the songs before the show, which is kind of interesting. I'm, I, I can't subscribe to that myself, but um, you know, you, you kind of know what you're getting as far as getting both the zombies played through. Um, and you know, those are uh, those EPs are a bit of a sonic assault. So it'll be uh, it's going to pound where uh, I fly out here on Monday to get in rehearsals and um, hopefully get my body a little bit acclimated to, to this long, long set. Oh, it's going to be nice. Um, the few videos that are out, the uh, Watchtower and Sacrifice, uh, Christopher Commons and Kate McFerrin, um, both have a, a great 
aesthetic to them. I mean, talk about working with them and wanting to work with them on multiple ones. I don't know if they did salt or not. I didn't see the little thing at the beginning, so I didn't I didn't throw that in there. But uh, seems like they have a pretty cool uh, aesthetic and, and know what you guys are looking for. Yeah, definitely. Chris and Cater, they're so awesome. Um, Chris comes from like the Chicago suburbs. He's in he's in Kansas City now. So a lot of uh, similar experiences in our past and whatnot. Um, when we were recording Z2 at a studio in Kansas City, um, the in-house engineer at the time, we were mentioning how we need a videographer or whatever. And um, he had, he's like, oh, I, this dude Chris had come in before and we connected with him and he's just the sweetest. He's the best dude. His wife works on the sets too and she's amazing. Um, his his team is just really cool. They, they do a lot of corporate gigs um, <laughs> and like he knew the band. He was a fan of the band or whatever. So really he just it's almost like he's able to piece these together as like uh, passion projects which is, is pretty fun yeah. i think he even like will bundle like different production components that you know if he's doing like something for a hospital or whatever like a video he'll kind of use the tools he rented for that project to shoot the band <laughs> nice um but he did both of our uh streaming events we did during covid and that was i think our first i forget if he directed he directed the forlorn video off of z2 as well um, we're about to drop a new music video that he also did. We have another one in the bank we filmed. Um, so yeah, Chris has his fingerprints all over the band as of late. Um, and another thing worth mentioning is uh, we recorded most of this new record in a, a rental property outside Palm Springs and Sky okay. Sky Valley out in the desert. Um, he actually came out and did a sort of making of behind the scenes then too. So I have no idea why what we're doing with that. There hasn't been an edit of it or anything, but um, yeah, Chris and Kate are just so fun and easy to work with and they totally get it. They, they work within the budget so, so easily and fluently and they just are so driven to come up with something cool rather than, you know, milk a record label for <laughs> north right. of 10 G's of video, you know? Are you, are you liking that kind of new model of, of, putting out as many videos as you can for an album rather than like, you know, maybe one or two that you would do back in the day. Everybody picks a single from the record and really push that one song to where now it's, you know, every few months we're putting out something, some sort of content, some sort of, you know, even if it's behind the scenes or an animation video, lyric video, full on video. I mean, there just seems like every band cycle now has, you know, you know, videos for every song on the record if they wanted to. Yeah, it, you know, it not to get into like marketing and the sort of capitalistic. That's capitalistic. fun. I mean, some, that's the fun stuff to talk about too, man. <laughs> right. Not to get too far into it, but just like we've come up to the model with management and whatnot, and we, it just everything has to move. If you do a flyer, whether it's even like looking at our zombie flyer, like there's an animated version of it, you know, there's color <laughs> decay versions of static, like, we if we drop new merchandise on an online shop, we have video of it rather than just still images. So everything has got to move, and it's really like it it, it trickles across the board. Um, you know, you can do a lyric video or whatever, but the the I think the time of just I don't know. It seems like every new music you listen to as far as a single is going to be on YouTube. You know, you think mm -hmm. back to the day of like pure volume or something and you're just, you have a play button and the, <laughs> right. the bar moves. So it's just, uh, 
that's kind of the the media landscape we're at. And in terms of like my perception or my preference, um, I don't really mind. Um, I mean, music videos is pretty torturous. I remember the first time we did it and we we're so excited and everything. And then we're like, wait, you just lip sync for fucking <laughs> over and over and over again. And your body feels more beat up than it would like going out on tour. But um, yeah, not to just bitch and moan, but um, I'm cool with it. You know, I'm cool with this new model as far as singles and whatnot. And um, just pumping out as as much as we we possibly can. Yeah, even even now, Spotify. You know, you look down, or everyone's like, you'll be listening to something. You look down, and there's a video playing on your phone. I mean, you you know, you you definitely can't just. I mean, even in the interview space. I mean, even you know, mm-hmm. with, with when I started the show, this was phone call in show. You know, and me and me and a microphone with no cameras and everything else. And now it's morphed into this too, man. So everybody needs to see everything. So it's basically <laughs> where we're at. True. <laughs> A lot of a lot of podcasting on YouTube, which is a, a funny thing. Yeah, like it's a video podcast. I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Isn't like, that a, a show? I don't know. A podcast is, I mean, you know, a podcast. Like this is, you know, the, <laughs> the internet, man. Um, uh, one thing I kind of came across. We're, we'll, we'll get into a little hockey talking a little bit, but uh, the one thing I came across I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is: Are you still doing a lot of charity work? I know you you kind of dove into a lot of charity work early on. I don't know if you're. Are you still, you know, kind of dipping your toe into that world? Not so much. I haven't been so involved with a whole lot as of late. Um, trying to think of some of the last things we did. I think it was mostly just kind of GoFundMe's I've tried to help out with here and there. Um, in terms of my political and social leanings, obviously the uh, upturning of Roe v. Wade has sparked something in me in a, in a very angry way. Um, otherwise... Yeah, I think I just reached out for some, like, I remember Dale Howarchuk on the hockey front donating to that um, when he passed away. Um, I think that was an ALS project, if I recall correctly, but I can't remember precisely. But I always want to help out whenever I can. Um, You know, I've had GoFundMes on the personal side when I sell guitars and whatnot to try to make ends meet in terms of medical funds and whatnot. but I'm trying to think anything else we've been involved in. Obviously, what's happened in Ukraine has certainly attracted attention. Right. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, otherwise, I'm kind of just doing my best to make it month to month as is coming out of COVID. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you, you, it looks like you got your tooth fixed, so that's always good. I did. I, people helped me with that, too. And I know that's like an elective surgery, but uh, people wanted to help and... You know, if it, if hope, hope, I don't know, if I knock out more chiclets here soon, then <laughs> it, that's on me. Well, it's funny. The first time I interviewed you, I was like, I was like, is that a thing? Like, is that, does he always have a tooth missing? <laughs> like, and then uh, has it came and come and gone? I mean, has it been knocked out of multiple times? Is that a- it has. Okay. It that has. That's so what threw it- me off. I was just like, yeah, cause some points is there. Some points is not. I was just like, I'm not even going to talk about it. Right. I, I've had temporary fixes. I had to use a flipper, which a lot of people with uh, missing a tooth will use. It's basically a retainer with a little tooth on it. I had to do that because I lost my tooth before my skull had fully developed. And then I had to get a bone graft in for whatnot and whatnot. But 
Um, yeah, I had a temporary fix at one point that I then broke out with a microphone on tour way back in the day. And then I finally got my permanent one and then a puck broke it out. <laughs> uh, and now I'm, I'm fixed again. So, nice. you know, knock on wood. Well, how's the, uh, how's the hockey game going for you? Good. Um, things slow down here. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Things slow down a little bit in the summer in terms of pickup skates and just being so busy with the band. I don't, I'm not going to, you know, pay full time to be in a league. And, um, so I'll sub with a few different teams that I'm familiar with, but, um, yeah, just, uh, trying to get out as much as I can, uh, trying to keep my game up because it has gotten a little rusty as far as not being able to, to get out there as often, but, I got some new skates being made now that I'm really excited about. And I'll definitely be hitting it hard after this upcoming tour before Europe. And then coming out of Europe, I should have November, December, January, February for, for just, you know, getting to the rink as, as many times as I can get the phone call. Nice. What's the uh, process of getting skates made? Are they, do they measure your feet? Are they specifically made for you or are you, you know, or, or are you talking more, you know, like somebody's painting them and putting a graphic on them or something. No. So I'm a, I always joke. I played a little bit as a kid. My dad was super cheap. So I had <laughs> equipment that I would get hurt in frequently. So now as an adult, I spoil myself and I buy what the pros wear, even nice. though I'm just, you know, a B level men's leaguer. Um, but uh, basically the skate industry has moved to being able to offer custom skates um, it kind of started more on the goalie end, from my understanding, with true hockey. But uh, my last pair of skates are full custom, where basically they, you, those skates were, it was like a camera on an iPad, and they walk around, you put your feet on like a plexiglass thing, okay. and they map out your foot with this iPad. And then in Canada, they print out a 3D version of your foot, right. and then they build the boot to that. Um, you can do different custom things aesthetically. Um, I'm not so much into that, but I, I'm running a really small boot, two different sizes, because your feet are oftentimes different sizes, and you want your skate to be as tight as possible to where every bit and every ounce of push you put into the skate isn't being yeah. lost within the skate. It's transferring to the blade and to the ice. So I do like a, a bigger um, a bigger skate steel and a bigger holder on a smaller boot. So, you know, I'm running a small size to my small feet but i'm getting more contact to the ice so it's a bunch of snobbery that you know i spent a thousand dollars on after this is after complaining about getting month to month but (laughs) um i think that's how everybody lives though right right i you know i've things being made to my specifications has been something i've loved ever since getting custom guitars when it was harder to get custom guitars you know and there's nothing like new guitar day and I get the same giddy feeling, you know, if I get custom sticks or custom skates and, um, you know, all the hopefully benefit my game. What do you, what do they do with the, uh, the 3d printed version of your foot? You know, that's being sold in some fetish shop somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) They got a side hustle going on. Right. And I don't know if they still do that because some skate companies, what they'll do is they'll get the, the image of your foot and then they'll just a computer will put it to the closest already printed version of your foot and then build around Mm -hmm. it rather than making a foot every time you have a skate. And then like for some 
somehow archiving it because certain players will want to have the same skate made again. Um, I'm not sure, but you know, with the, our beloved supply chain conversation, the hockey industry is suffering from making custom products the same as it's like making vinyl records at this point. So it's all way behind, but, um, yeah, I look forward to some, some fancy, fancy wheels here after the tour wraps up. Nice. Were you, uh, were you good with the, uh, Colorado avalanche winning the cup? I was, I was all, all in Tampa Bay's had their time. I didn't really, I haven't loved the team as is like you have to respect guys like Hedman and whatnot. Um, but, uh, being a Sid fan, if you're a Sid fan, you've got a fan, you gotta be a fan of, of Nate dog. Um, I mean, if the way he plays the, like he, he's like, just all around game between speed and power is just so sick. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of McKinnon. So um, I was certainly into the team winning. I'm happy to see them get their time. Um, and then free agency has been a blast. So it's a, uh, you know, it's hardly off season as a, as a diehard hockey guy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how quickly the, you know, it's cup then it's, free agency and then it's like oh yeah skating starts soon we're about to start the season i mean you really don't get much of an off season uh with hockey i mean being a being a predators fan you know obviously seeing the avalanche you know sweep the sweep the predators for the first time in the history of the predators i was like well these dudes better win it you know they (laughs) and and, i mean they looked incredible doing it too it wasn't even a fluke that they they swept us in the playoffs it was i mean obviously with with uc sorrows going down that hurt us a lot when we, we were calling up, you know, goalies from the, you know, the crowd, like that, the emergency goalie in the crowds in the, in the locker room, getting, uh, getting that, uh, that, 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 you know, the, uh, gear on or whatnot. But yeah, watching the, uh, the, the avalanche sweep us, I was, I was like, yeah, they're, 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 they're the real deal. For sure. Um, and as a Preds fan, I think you have to be pretty happy with the off season so far. I mean, it, Saros will come back strong. I'm a huge fan. I love, I mean, he's Finnish and he's undersized. I love his gear game on a side, side note. Um, but I do <laughs> yeah. love UC Saros. I, I would be, I don't love the Preds, but I would be big into him if I were around. Um, Yossi, obviously up for the Norris this season. He's going to be next level again next year. And then today was uh, Nino Niederreiter signing the two-year contract. So a little bit of a veteran center i think me Nino's was a center um coming in i think you'd have to be excited for that as a preds fan but just too many injuries to make a run for the preds this yeah. past postseason but um you know i think they'll be looking strong um i everyone expected them to be like an absolute you know train wreck this season obviously even making the playoffs was big right. for them so um, oh yeah it's uh i don't know you have to be you have to be content as a preds guy yeah, I was happy to see Philip Forsberg, you know, resign for mm-hmm. another eight years or whatever. So that that uh, unless something crazy happens, should be a pred for life type deal. So yeah, right. good, good times, man. <laughs> I was like when when you're asking, you know, the artists about it, their album, and they're like, you know, it's cool, whatever. And then you get like into their passion, and they're like, oh, dude, <laughs> it's it's always so nice when you kind of kind of pivot away from uh from from. I'm sure you've answered the same questions about color decay a thousand times. So it's nice to throw a little hockey talk in there. Oh, certainly. I can, I can definitely go for 
for hours and I have done so before, but you know, it's sometimes it's funny. Like I'm, you know, color decay is our best record. There's a lot that went into it. There's a lot that's different from, uh, how it got made versus how you may, we've made records in the past, but at the same time, sometimes it's like, you know, it's making records. You make a record, <laughs> you make a record, you make a record. Like how much is there to talk about? But, what Free was agency the, on the other side. The <laughs> other now that's, that's yeah. what we're talking. No, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about color decay before we get out of here. But uh, the going to the you know kind of the the Airbnb or whatnot to to record the album um, was that kind of cool to kind of get away or what? And also was that was that a COVID thing too, or was that just hey let's try this this time to do on this record? No, not really a COVID thing. We. Um, when we made Dead Throne in 818, both of the brunt of the songwriting was in, um, well, two of them were remote locations. The other two, one time we wrote half of 818 in Portland because Chris, our guitar player at the time, was expecting his first daughter. Um, but remote locations are a really good way to, to get out of the mix. You know, like I can't imagine if we like wrote a record here in Milwaukee, I would be so distracted mm-hmm. and at one point you know we wrote records in or we wrote records in chicago and it was like i wouldn't be around because i would distract myself with like you know the <laughs> nitty-gritty errands of a day um to seclude yourself and to just turn off and to rather than wake up and think about like for me as a mundane individual i am like thinking about if the lawn needs mowed or whatever like getting up and going like, okay, what am I tackling songwriting wise or what's John working on? What can we work on together? What can we piece together? There's something that goes a really long way about that. And we wanted somewhere warm. We were looking at Arizona, nothing really unfolded. It's a little tricky as far as like, Hey, we're a bunch of dudes that are going to be making loud, loud noise in this rental. But at the same time, trust us, we're not going to like ruin shit. Um, so it, it can take a little time for people to be like, is this a good idea or not to let these guys come in and like come into my condo where we're, you know, it's Jeremy sings very loudly. I'm screaming. Um, but it worked out really well. The, the band came from Kansas city in a box truck with all the gear and Kyle brought his Harley. And once he was out there, I, I came a few days later and he's like, dude, you have to bring your bike someone that also likes to ride motorcycles and i'm like ah, i don't want to i don't want the distraction i need to like lock in with the songs <laughs> every day and then i was out there for a week and then i'm like okay i need to get my bike out here so i had it transported out from milwaukee to palm springs and it ended up being not a distraction so much as like a really great release as far as being able to just ride through the desert and like i would go get groceries cook dinner for the boys or you know just have an hour where you're just going on these hills and whatnot. It was certainly well worth the money I spent to get my bike out there. And, um, you know, just being sky Valley, nothing around really just a little dirt road. And there's a pool and again, just cook, drink, look at the stars. The sky was crazy. We went out to Joshua tree two times. Um, it was uh it was definitely a cool experience and you know can't complain too much getting away from wisconsin winter for about a month as well so (laughs) it it was really rad 
do you, do you guys sit around and have those like moments where you're sitting there and you're like, can you believe we're still doing this? And you know, where, where, you know, it sounds like when you're sitting out in the stars having a beer or whatnot, you're just like, I can't believe we're still doing this 17 years in the bands, you know, attained a level of success that allows for this to happen. And uh, it's got to be kind of like a pinch me moment sometimes when you're just out there under the stars, you know, writing, writing and recording a new album. For sure. I mean, you never want to take it for granted. You don't want to get jaded with it, but you'll, there will be times of being very jaded for sure. But, um, you know, never, never want to sit on it or, or pretend you were not as privileged and lucky as we are to be just making tunes and going out on the road, seeing the world and playing gigs. So, um, I'll, I'll take the opportunity to complain here and there when, you know, the body or the, the throat is breaking down, but there's a reason I still choose to do this. And, you know, there's a reason that we've gone through members and, you know, Jeremy and I are the originals, but other guys, you know, go and live their lives differently. And we still are hooked on it, like being kids. Oh yeah, those days where you're mad that your the, the the name the font isn't big enough on the uh, on the flyer, or you know, you're, why didn't we get our logo? Why are we just down on the bottom with everybody else? All that stuff, man. It's it's got to you know you gotta you gotta take that and and take the uh, the reminiscing at the same time, I guess. Yeah, we uh, we hold each other accountable. Heads can't get too inflated for sure, and. Uh, um, I'd like to think that's how it's always been. It's definitely never been perfect, but, um, you know, keep your head down, grind, and half my life later, again, we're lucky enough to still be gigging. So John produced this. Um, was it, was it, did you, did, were there outside people or was it just the band in, in this, in this rental and kind of getting in everything together? Or was there an engineer or anything like that running around too? Or was this truly just, all on your shoulders it was really just john um so we recorded in our airbnb all the guitars bass um obviously you don't need like amplifiers in terms of uh synthesizers and everything keyboard wise and what john does you can of course use amplifiers for anything and i'm a fan of that but um really the rest of it the drums were just tracked um out in la i think was watchtower and sacrifice and then the rest of the drums were tracked back at b24 studios in kansas city with a, a fellow named sam who mixed the record um who just really killed it i i think sam no i think our buddy alex mixed z too i can't remember but um really professional dude very driven very hands-on and active um he lives up in Toronto. I believe he's moving to LA, but um, it was a privilege working with him. Everything mix wise is really going to be John and Sam going back and forth and dialing things in the exact way that John wants to hear it. Um, but yeah, in terms of the Airbnb or the Verbo or whatever it was out in Palm Springs, it was um, it was the six of us. Giuseppe flew in for a little bit, but he wasn't there the whole time. Um, we brought in. Again, Chris Commons was there doing some video stuff for a little bit. Our merch dude and photographer, best buddy Juan, was around for a few weeks and just, you know, just trying to have that, you know, Palm Springs vibe up and um, everything moves through John. Every recording, 
every you know tap of the re- record button is going to be orchestrated by John. Nice man. Well, he did a fantastic job. So please pass that on to him because I was listening to the entire album. You know, I got the album a couple of days ago, and uh, man, what a banger from like start to finish, man. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I'll tell him <laughs> he's worthless. <laughs> but you can do that too. That's how that always <laughs> works, man. <laughs> well, uh, as we wrap up here, man, uh, we've we've got the uh, the the straight from the path dying wish tour coming up. Um, anything else going on that we need to talk about? Anything else we need to hit on? No, I mean, I appreciate you having me back, man. I, I uh, the Pradas are nowhere near finished. We've got a lot going on. We're excited to get out to Europe again. I'm extremely excited. I love being outside the United States traveling. It's what I consider one of the biggest perks of the job. Um, so we do, we support wage war over there at the end of the year. I'm really excited about that. And then it's going to be time to start writing different things in no time. Again, we've got another two music videos in the bank. One will have dropped. I imagine by the time this comes out, but um, everyone check out the dates for uh, the zombie tour playing both EPs, super long set, you're getting a little bit of everything across, you know, this 17 or what, 15 <laughs> years of Prado, whatever it's been. Um, so, yeah, very excited. Check the dates and uh, we'll see you in a, a town near you. So, Cody from Wage Wars Mullet. Where does that <laughs> rank? Is it, is, it, is it hockey mullet? Ask, uh, you know, could he be, uh, could he pass as a uh, hockey player? You know, I think Jeremy and John are cool with Cody. I don't think I've ever met him, but I have seen the mully, and it is filthy, <laughs> filthy flow. Uh, yeah, that would be something out on the ice for sure. Nice. Yeah, he is a good dude. Been on the show many times and a uh, great, great dude. <laughs> Might be a Predators fan. He's down there in Nashville, so you better watch out. <laughs> sure. Coming. Uh, we uh, we share a bus with him, so I'm sure I'll, I'll know him well by the by the end of 2022. Awesome, man. Well, Mike, man, thanks for taking some time again here. Talk to me podcast, notfest.com. Thanks, pal. The Talk to Me podcast presented by notfest.com. Follow the show at Talk to Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk to Me podcast. Talk to me.